Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with the passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today we welcome Castalia Airwalt to the show from By the Stem and Castalia Wines. In this episode, Castalia tells us how she was inspired to become a certified sommelier and how this profession grew from a social media following to starting her own wine label. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. With that said, let's welcome Castalia to the show. Welcome everyone to the show. Today we have Cass Leah joining us. Uh, she is a wine expert and she is also the founder of her new label. So we're going to start by having you introduce yourself to our audience and kind of give us a little rundown on how you got into the wine industry. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited. Um, yeah. So Castlea Wine, it's crazy. It just uh, dropped this week. Um, but yeah, so I um, I was born and raised in Michigan and my dad actually grew up on a vineyard. Um, so like as a kid, I was like walking through the vines. So that's always been a part of my life. Um, and then we, I got married and moved to Kansas City and I got really involved with this local wine shop. And it was a really cute spot that was always doing classes and um, tastings and events and things. And I was there for like everything because I just really found an obsession with wine and I really wanted to learn more about it. And I felt like the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. And it was just like so much to learn. And so I was always there to the point where I was like starting to show customers around the store and they're like, do you want to work here? And so my background is actually in healthcare. And so I was working full time in healthcare while working nights and weekends at the wine store. And, you know, reps would come in. I was like, whoa, that looks like a cool job. And I was just learning as much as I could. And then my husband got his new job with um, SpaceX. And that's what moved us out to California. And so I got connected with this like MLM company called Wine Shop at Home, which was like in-home wine tastings. And then um, did that for a little bit, learned a ton about, you know, hosting events and things like that. And then um, I really started to pursue my education. I got my CMS one and then my CMS2, um, Quartermaster Sommelier, Certified Sommelier. And then, um, yeah, and then also WSET programs just wrapped up level three, starting to pull them in December. Um, but then basically it wasn't until quarantine that I really jumped in like full time um, because I was still doing my healthcare as well. And I was kind of selling wine on the side for somebody that I, um, a winery that I connected with on Instagram called Prohibido Wines. And um, so basically I was selling his wine kind of on the side for private events. And then when quarantine started, a bunch of my friends were texting me that they were running out of wine. And this was like, right when, you know, we didn't want to go to the store even because we were like so scared of what was going on. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I can send you guys some wine. And I was like, I'll even throw in a little Zoom tasting so we can, you know, see each other. And so tons of people took me up on that right away. 
And so I started doing virtual wine tastings. I got really lucky and connected with like the corporate scene. And so I've been doing that and then sold Prohibito out of wine. So I had to find someone else to work with. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then I was up in um, Sonoma for my WSET 3 exam in July and um, was barrel tasting some wines. And I really, really loved this Pinot Noir and this Rosé. And um, my husband was like, you know, we've always wanted to put Castilla on a wine label. And um, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. And then congratulations again. And so for, for people taking it back a step, so you really immersed yourself in the world before you were even realizing that you wanted to really do this full time. How would you recommend that people who are just getting into wine kind of start to learn and build their own education? Yeah, um, I think one thing that really helped me is getting connected with the local wine shop because, you know, those people, they're passionate about it. They're excited to show you their new things that they are getting in. So finding like your cute little spot um, that's local and getting connected, you know, obviously right now they're probably not doing in-store tastings, but you can at least pop in and say hi if they're still open. Um, but then the other thing that really helped me is Wine Folly, their book, and just like going through the book and be like, oh, I haven't tried this grape and then find a place where I could try that grape and then going to the next one. Oh, I haven't tried this one. And so I was constantly always trying to try new things. And, you know, I think tasting is really kind of how you expand um, your knowledge of wine. But then if you're interested in like an education, I think like WSET one is a really good place to start. They teach you kind of the basics and wine and food pairing and stuff like that. I know Bianca, you have a little bit of experience going through the sommelier program, right? I've taken a couple of courses with the uh, Boston Wine School, which is a local program. Um, and I, so I have my first couple levels of certification there, but the uh, CMS exams are definitely something I've wanted to do. I've taken the initial course and then I'm also more recently looking into the W step because I don't really need the service component. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, it was uh I feel like it makes more sense. And I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people who aren't, you know, if you're more interested in marketing and sales. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just, I just, I love wine. And I'm, I'm, we had a wine shop next to my office before I started working from home where I would go to little events after work and I just love it. I think it's so much fun. Um, and everybody has something like that around them, even if they don't realize it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cause I was in Kansas when I was found this wine shop, like a little suburb of Kansas city. So there's something everywhere. <laughs> I'm still searching for that for whiskey and beer. <laughs> it doesn't really exist. It's a sad, sad thing. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what goes into, I know you said, you know, you've always wanted to put Castleia on a label. So <laughs> what's the first step you take when you want to do that? Cause that seems like you know, when you step back and think, I want my own wine, that seems like a really daunting task. So where do you go first? Oh my gosh. I don't know exactly how you would even start the process. I was really lucky because I already was friends with a winemaker who had wine that he wanted to sell. Um, but I guess like there's tons of like custom crush pads in, you know, whatever wine region you're wanting to make wine in. And so, um, <laughs> I would just Google, I guess. Like I know Napa Valley has like a little um, custom crush thing that they do and you can buy, you know, barrels. And, um, you know, it was a lot of work between um, 
you know, getting the right blends and then like ordering my labels and just like tiny little things like you have to submit the labels for to the TTV and make sure it has all the right wording and getting the alcohol percent. And then I decided I wanted to add barcodes and like all these things that you don't realize that go into it, you know, and um, but I guess, yeah, if you were interested in starting your own wine, I don't know, man, I guess just Google. <laughs> 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 and you've and you've also really made a name for yourself on social media. You've really been killing it. You have a lot of different wineries that you kind of talk about. You really bring people through the education. Uh, so how have you used that platform to really help to educate other people on wine? And I guess what are some of your favorite parts with the wine community as a whole? Oh my gosh, the wine community is so amazing. It's just really cool because it's kind of a small community. So we all support each other. And the beauty of wine is there's tons of wine and there's never, I feel like, of course, there's like minor competition, but at the, for the most part, like you want everyone to be successful because if wine is successful, then you're successful, right? And so we all push each other and encourage each other. And um, But yeah, as far as like my Instagram and stuff, um, yeah, I always try to include education and try to make make it um, have, you know, not just a pretty picture. I never, ever started the page to be like an influencer or, you know, a model by any means. That's not like I was just, I just enjoyed this wine and I wanted to post a picture of it. And then it just kind of turned into this whole um, page, but that was never the plan. It just kind of worked out that way. But I always try to give value for people that look to my page. And, you know, I always try to give more value than I take whenever I'm doing anything like that. You have a rosé and a Pinot Noir. So do you think that there is a white in your future? There is a white in the future. Yeah. Um, I will be up in Sonoma next week because um, I don't know if you saw my rosé sold out in two days, which is like awesome, but also extremely stressful because I wasn't ready to like, <laughs> I took so many cute pictures of that rosé and now I'm like, I can't even use those cute pictures, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> so I'll be up there to bottle more. So hopefully um, I like this one and it's, you know, how I want it. Um, but yes, I will be sampling some white while I'm up there as well. So hopefully we can make a little three pack. That would be ideal. So do you think going into the future, obviously, you know, you have these really successful wines, they're selling out. Do you think it's going to come down to a point where you're really partnering up with some certain vineyards and they're going to, you know, maybe you'll scale it up and try to do these in bigger numbers so that you avoid that and you, people can always get your wines? I really hope so. Yeah, that's definitely the plan to get like more and more involved every single year, you know, um, hopefully, you know, next year I can be more involved in the actual vineyard and the harvest and the, the punch downs and the barrel selection and all of that. Um, I really want to be more involved and I really love Sonoma because I'm like an acid person. I love my acidity on wine. So like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, you know, Rosé, Champagne. I love those are like my favorites. And so I feel like Sonoma is a really good fit for me um those cooler climate grapes but I'm open to anything and anywhere um yeah I just I just want to see it keep growing <laughs> and now that you're really kind of close to the heart of wine and and I would say the U.S. but especially specifically in California how would you say that experience has kind of helped you as somebody who is so interested in wine to really be immersed in that Oh my gosh. I, it's been like the 
the biggest part of it for sure being in California and especially LA because like you know when events are coming on a tour or something they come to LA and they come to New York you know so it's like everything happens in LA and um it's a very it's a hustle to be able to live here but there's the opportunity is endless so it's really been a blessing to be in LA but then yeah in California and you think of like Napa Sonoma but you don't even think about like Temecula is only an hour and a half away Malibu's an hour away Santa Barbara's two hours away they have the whole central coast and then there's ton more up north so yeah I'm really really lucky <laughs> and outside of your label what are some of the wineries that really kind of sparked your interest when you first started to explore the area when I first oh explore like Napa Sonoma area or oh gosh um, well, when I first went to Napa for the first time, that was like maybe five or six years ago. The first one I wanted to go to was Robert Mondavi because I feel like he was kind of like the grandfather of Napa Valley. He really, you know, like the judgment of Paris, he really put like Napa on the map. And so it's, I really wanted to visit there first. And we took like a 101 course, like a, he did like a little, well, not Robert himself, but you know, the people did um, like a little wine 101 course. And so I really, really helped me like understand exactly what's going on in the winery um so Robert Randavi was a big one I don't know I hit up like all of the I feel like I call them the touristy ones now but I love them but I feel like they're definitely you know the castle Amorosa the sterling with the gondola and we did like the foot stomping of the grapes you know those types of things that they make great wines but there's so many to explore up there it's crazy <laughs> And outside of wine country out in California, are there other regions that you visited in the U.S. that have some of your favorite wines or are you really a California girl when it comes to the bottles that you're picking up? Oh my gosh. I like everything. I don't discriminate. Um, I went to Willamette for a little weekend trip and fell in love with their Pinot Noir up there. Um, Domaine Serene was like outstanding, really stuck with me. Um, I have not been to Washington wineries. I really want to go to Walla Walla um, in the U.S. Oh, and Michigan. So I grew up in Michigan and I visited a couple Michigan wineries recently. Like I think it was last year. And um, I was really impressed. Like they're growing some fantastic cool climate like Riesling and Gewürztraminer and some really cool stuff up there. Um, so I think that's kind of underrated and um but domestically I haven't really done too much outside of um California besides those ones yeah <laughs> yep we had a one guest on previously cave spring that's in Ontario uh and they're the same thing with the Riesling in that area so I imagine that's a very similar to what you had there in Michigan um, yeah for wine availability we've also had a was it three rivers that was in Washington yep so that's Northwest, so you've been up there, yeah. We've had some Washington in yep. there too. Very. You've cool. been around the country, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely awesome. a lot of California as well. Yeah. Very it's cool. so it's great because we live in it. You know, there's wines that are famous from Italy and France. And I feel like they're the places you really think of, and Argentina maybe. And there's so many unexplored places with great wines, and I think in the U.S. there are places you wouldn't even think of that have ones that are coming out that are you know really holding their own against some of these big names out there and we've totally. had so much fun trying them but uh yeah I think you don't even think about even some of the ones up here in New England I mean most of them are 
like fruit ones, but we're, it's so much fun to try things and just see what the differences are. Everywhere is so, so unique. Totally. One that's been on my radar lately is Virginia, which is so random. And I've never even tried Virginia wine, but I've seen some people post about it and they say it's really good. So I'm like, okay, all right, Virginia, I got to get out there. And try some. <laughs> so here's a question. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed with wine, I'm like, so when you look at whiskey, when you look at beer, you know, my kind of go-tos, it really comes down to how it's made and the ingredients um, that you're selecting. And there's usually pretty cut and dry, like what the, when it comes to hops, for example, like there's certain types of hops that gives impart certain flavors. And I'm sure like with any, you know, harvestable, you know, good, it's going to have, you know, seasonality to it. But with wines, everyone really focuses, it seems on region. Um, how much of the actual wine making, because you could have some, someone in a region that might not be doing the same thing. How much do you focus on the actual person making the wine compared to the region when you're choosing to buy? Oh, I always shop region probably because I think a good producer is going to showcase the region. So it's in wine, we use the term terroir. So it means like the environment that the grapes are grown in and it can be, you know, the elevation, the sun exposure, the soil, um, the humidity, the ocean you know, influence, there's so much that can affect the vines, um, you know, crops that are planted nearby, like in Australia, we always get like a little bit of eucalyptus note on their wines, like, and it's really cool, because the terroir can really, really, really change the grapes. And I think the winemaker's job is not to um, hide that or manipulate that, but to maybe just accentuate it. So, you know, some grapes do really, really well with oak barrels and, um, or maybe like some manipulation that's like, I mean, we could get really nerdy, malolactic fermentation to add kind of like the creaminess or the butteriness to the wine, things like that. Um, but I think a good skilled winemaker, it's more of just like an accent on what the grape already is bringing from the environment that it gr grows in. And it's so some fascinating because it changes. Like, you know, I always teach my... Um, my virtual tasting clients about like Sauvignon Blanc, like you think about a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc versus like a Sancerre from France versus like a Sauvignon Blanc from California. It's all the same grape, but it changes so much depending on where it comes from. And for someone who's not used to tasting wines, when you're starting out and you're really, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. How do you suggest going about the tasting process and like deciphering what those flavors are, um, especially if your palate's not necessarily used to cutting down those flavors and really identifying them. Yeah, so there's two things that are, were really helpful for me. One is the, the Wine Folly book. I just love that book. Like if I'm, when I first started, like say I was drinking like, an Alianico, like a, it was a brand new Alianico. I've never had an Alianico before and I'm going to discover this new grape. I would open the page in the Wine Folly book and I would look like, okay, what notes am I supposed to be getting on this wine? What is the acid level? What is the tannin level? What is the body and the alcohol? And I would like really study that page and like kind of correlate it with that wine. And so then like the next time I have an Alianico, I can like remember, oh, I got that kind of notes on there. So now I can like you know, be ready to pick up those notes. Um, but another way to really um, do it is I 
um, I had a master sommelier, Doug Frost in Kansas City, tell me, um, you're not trying hard enough unless you've been kicked out of a grocery store, fondling the fruits and the vegetables and the herbs and really trying to memorize what they actually smell and taste like. Um, you know, you can say you're picking up plum on the wine, but if you don't really know what a plum tastes like or smells like, you know, um, then are you really getting plum, you know? So like, I'll literally, when I'm at the store, I'm like, oh my gosh, dragon fruit. Like I've had a dragon fruit in a minute. I'm going to pick that up so I can remember what it tastes and smells like, you know, and it's, um, it's all that you're familiar with and what your nose and in your memory of what you've had. And that's kind of how you learn to pick it up on the wine. And with the holidays coming up, of course, we'll all be drinking wines, but there's also a big opportunity to gift wines and your wine is one of those, but what are some other gifts for people on their list that are in the, not necessarily a bottle of wine, but like, what are some wine essentials that you recommend that people have on their bar cart that maybe you could put together a little gift for the holidays? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if you want to splurge, I love my Coravin. It's definitely great for me for, um, you know, not having to open a whole bottle of wine and just have a little bit. Um, another great product is this um, product called Repour. And it's like a little wine saver topper. You just like peel off the foil and you put it in and then it releases like the argon gas in the bottle. And so um, if you don't finish your bottle, like say you open and you have half left, you put that in and it really saves the wine for like weeks up to months. Um, so that's a really cool product. Um, you can find it on like Amazon. Um, let's see wine glasses. I am like, you know, my Instagram and blog is by the stem. Like I'm kind of a wine glass snob. Like I really need a good wine glass. I was like, I really need to invent a product to, um, bring wine glasses with you to places because I always want to bring my own because <laughs> if I, if I get there and they only have stemless, I'm like always so upset. But anyways, so wine glasses is huge. Um, and you don't have to spend a ton of money. Like I love the shots, Beasles from crate and barrel. I think they're like 15 bucks. Um, you know, Riedel performance champagne glasses are my favorite. Um, wine glasses are huge. Everyone can always use more corkscrews. I like the classic, like Butler key, double hinge, regular one with like a little knife on it, you know? Um, yeah, that's, yeah. Those are like my essentials. I'm not really like a gadgety person. I like all of the, you know, special openers and special aerators and all that. I'm not into that stuff, <laughs> but books, books is another good one. Wine Folly book, the wine Bible, the wine Atlas. Those are all really, really good gifts for people too. And when you're not drinking wine, what is your spirit of choice? Oh gosh, I love gin. Oh, and whiskey. Um, I like gin for cocktails. I like whiskey, well, bourbon specifically, um, because my dad's really into bourbon and he'll like, he, you know, I kind of got spoiled in that sense. Like we were home over the fourth and he opened Pappy Van Winkle. And so I like, I've experienced some good bourbons in my day. So um, I really like bourbon and I just drink it. Well, I usually have it over ice, but. So I'm, I'm the whiskey guy here. So not everyone's going to get access to Pappy all the time. So what's your go-to whiskey to have on the shelf? That's a good point. Um, well, I like Blanton's a lot too, but that's not a super accessible one either. Um, Angel's Envy, I think that one's pretty accessible, right? That's another More really so, yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> and other than uh, also wines and gadgets. So um, any other things that you would suggest to kind of pair with 
maybe let's say we want to put together a wine gift box for someone like you're going to go so gadget like give them a nice corkscrew you're going to give them a glass you're going to give them a bottle of wine and what else for if you had to pick one food item to put in there what would it be well, if it's, um, if you're going to get it like in a time where it's not going to expire cheese, like I feel like cheese is like wine and cheese always go well. Who doesn't like cheese? Um, and I really like the cheese selection at Trader Joe's. Like I always recommend people to go there. They have amazing cheeses. Um, man, that's a tough question because it depends on the wine. Like, you know, like you got to pair it. And <laughs> so jumping off that, what is your your preferred food and wine pairing if you could have like one really good hearty meal? Hearty steak and cabernet. I feel like you can't like go wrong with that. Like I love, you know, my medium rare steak, like filet with like a good silky cabernet from Napa. That's a really like good hearty one. But I have so many favorite pairings. Oh my gosh, there's so many good ones. <laughs> And what about with cheeses? So let's say you have to gift a cheese. You don't want to get one that's going to go bad too soon. Um, so let's say you're going to go with one that's going to be a little bit more shelf stable. Give it like a week or so. Um, that and wine, what are you going to go for? What are you gifting to someone? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, a wine and cheese pairing that's changed my life is Sautern and blue cheese. Um, I typically don't love blue cheese like on its own, but if you have it with Sautern, which is a dessert wine from um, France, from Bordeaux, it's life-changing because it's like the salty sweet combo. Um, goat cheese with um, Sauvignon Blanc is amazing. Um, Sorry, my dog, her little ball went under her projector and she's very upset right now. Hold on, honey. Um, and then also like in your hard cheeses, like a Gouda or a cheddar or something like that. I like to put something with a bit of like tannin structure. So like a Malbec or a Syrah or a Cab, like something that can really break up the fattiness on the cheese. Yeah. Those all sound great. I know. <laughs> now, now I want cheese. <laughs> And we're past dinner time, so I'm, I'm past due for my meal. <laughs> oh, man, I'm coming up on dinner time. <laughs> uh, so for everybody listening, we will link your website in the description. But where can everyone find you and follow along with any new ones that you have coming out? Because I'm sure we have some fun stuff in store um, and just follow along with you in general. Yeah, um, by the stem is my Instagram and blog. Like you hold your wine glass by the stem. Um, but yeah, if you just Google my first name, Cassalia, I will come up. <laughs> awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, we are so excited to see what else you have to announce because it seems like you have so much happening. Um, and I know that we love following along with all of your stuff. So thank you so much for coming on and cheers. Oh, cheers. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening. Thanks.